Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, what's going on, guys? Joe McCall, Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast, live in the uh, messy Joe McCall studios. Hope you don't mind the mess. But anyway, glad you guys are here. And this podcast series, I'm excited about. This is our fifth one, I believe. And we've been talking about on this series, Deals Gone Bad. And uh, you've heard me say it before. If you haven't had a bad deal yet, you've not done enough deals. You haven't been in the business long enough. And somebody said, smart people learn from their mistakes. Wise people learn from the mistakes of others. And I've had lots of bad deals. Our guest Shane today has had lots of bad deals. But you know what? It's cool because these guys that we're interviewing and ladies that we're interviewing on this podcast series have all bounced back from it. They looked, they used this as a stepping stone, right? They're not afraid of failure. They're not afraid of making mistakes because we all understand, you know what? This is how we learn in the business. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's a better lesson to have sometimes failure than success because that's how you learn. And I trust, I love it when I hear stories of people that rebounded, right? They failed at a deal. They lost a lot of money, but you know what? They came back. They didn't let themselves quit. So in this podcast series, we're talking about deals gone bad. And I have a mind map where I've been keeping my notes. My assistant has actually been going back through the recordings as well and adding to the mind map with notes and resources and links and tools and all that. You can get the mind map by texting the word bad to 313131. Text the word bad to 313131, or you can go to jomacall.com slash bad, and we'll send you the mind map. Now, the mind map, I'm thinking once, I got about 20 or 25 of these interviews lined up. I put a post on Facebook. A lot of people raised their hand and said, yeah, I'd like to talk about this. And so a lot of people then messaged me privately, man, this is a great idea. This is going to be really cool. So I might turn this into a book or a series or, or some kind of resource that you guys can get. And so if you want right now, you can get the notes of all of these lessons learned. And everybody that I go through with this, I ask them a question like, what would you have done differently last? next time, you know, or what would you have told yourself then? What would you tell somebody new in the business? What are some of the biggest lessons that you learned from this? So really cool to hear these stories and I hope you appreciate them as well. So if you want the mind map for the notes, text the word bad to 313131 or go to jomacall.com slash bad and uh, we'll hook you up. All right. Also right now we are doing this live and a bunch of y'all are watching this on YouTube or Facebook. So if you're watching this, say hello, say hi, tell us uh, where you are, where you're from, give us a thumbs up, like this video. And if you have a good question, then let us type it in the comments of YouTube or Facebook. And while we're on this video here, I can share it, put it on the screen and show it to Shane or we can answer your question from the best way we can. Cool. All right, enough of me talking. Let's bring Shane on. And uh, Shane, let me remove this banner here. This is, uh, ladies and gentlemen, hold on one second. Let me... My computer screen is blocked up. Okay, here we go. This is Shane Garza. Did I pronounce your name right, Shane? That's correct. How you doing, man? Doing well. How are you? Good. Appreciate you being on the show. And we've never met personally, but you told me your story through Facebook direct messenger or something like that. Right, 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 right. This looks pretty cool. And you've got a unique story of a deal gone bad. Specifically, something happened where a septic system, you thought it had one and it didn't. And that was kind of the tip of the iceberg. And then... We're talking literally tens of thousands of dollars that you 
might have lost on this deal, which sucks. Mm-hmm. But looks like I looked a little bit up, you Shane, you know, on Facebook. It looks like you're still active. You're still doing deals. You survived. Absolutely. You from this. Yeah. You're a stronger, better investor now because of it. Absolutely. Yeah, I I agree. I actually used that line on uh, my brother recently with smart people learn from their mistakes and wise people learn from others. And so I, yeah. I guess I'm just smart, but. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're here. That's why I asked you to be on the podcast, Shane. I appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about you first. Where are you from? Where do you live? What are you doing? So uh, my name's Shane, ShaneTheHouseBuyer.com. We work out of Southern Indiana. We do deals in both Louisville, Kentucky, Southern Indiana. We're looking right now to get into Indianapolis market, somewhere in Massachusetts. Uh, My brother lives out there, so we've been looking at deals out there. Ohio, Cincinnati, and Dayton. So that's where we're at right now. How long have you been doing real estate stuff? I've been in business for three years. I quit my full-time job last February and took the dive doing this. And so uh, it's been a lot of fun It's been since then. So so last February, as in like six, eight months ago? No, no, no. La- oh, well, I guess prior to the 2019. Okay, all right. So, cool. Two years. Yeah. And if you don't mind me asking, what were you doing before real estate? I was a quality supervisor at a Ford supplier. So, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And what made you decide to get into real estate? What happened? I read a lot about it for years. I watched videos. I mean, there's so much content out there. You just see all these people doing amazing things. And, you know, on the sidelines, it's it's cool to watch. But so and you and I were just talking about wholesaling. You know, a lot of people look at that and they're like, oh, this is my way in without a lot of money. Right. So that's what I thought. I tried that for a little bit. Didn't have much success. So I kind of fell off the wagon and then came back three months later and just hit it hard and, and just, you know, went from there. So. So what do you what do you mainly do? What kind of real estate? This year has been wholesaling. So our our it went from last year we did 28 flips and then we did some buy and holds. Uh this year, the year of 2020, it's just been wholesaling. It's just what's presented itself. In my opinion, it's limited liability based on how much you know we put into marketing compared to what our returns are. It's it's significant. So all right. So you're full time doing this now. Mm-hmm. Nice. It puts bread on the table. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of fun. So right now, so you, you got the, the scale, right? You go from technician to manager or owner operator to CEO. So right now I'm in a position where I'm, I would call myself an owner operator, but I think it's, you know, I, I enjoy it. There will probably be one day that comes, I might be sick of looking at houses, but that's probably years down the road. <laughs> So where did you learn the business from? Did you buy a course or book or program? Uh, So I'm in our group. Sorry. That's where I started. I went there and there's just, I think there's 800 members locally. So a local real estate club. Is that what you said? Right. Yeah. The real estate association. And I I just started asking questions, just hopped on the coattails of these guys who have been doing it for 20 years. And, you know, there's a lot of us with the gift of gab and we like to share, you know, info. And so, uh, yeah, there's plenty of people out there willing to help if you ask the right questions. Nice. There's a guy in that part of Indiana, isn't he has a podcast, Simple Wholesaling. What's his name? Oh, Simply So. Bo Bo Holly. That's my, that's my, yeah. Brother. And what's the other yeah. guy's name who runs the business who owns it? Uh, there's Frank Miller. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's yeah. got believe in Who is it? Snod. His last name is Snodgrass, isn't it? Oh, I should know. I'm, I'm not sorry. sure. No, I should know that too. I'm, I'm local. <laughs> well, I, I thought he was in Indiana, Indianapolis. And he's got a podcast called Simply Wholesaling. <laughs> Never mind. Sorry. Well, both got but- simply sold and he's been on the carrot investment group. I mean, yeah. he did a lot nationally. So that's the only guy that I relate to that. But it's not, that doesn't, it doesn't ring Brent. a bell. Yeah. <laughs> this would come to me later. So I apologize. I think it's Brent. Brett. I'll look it up later. I was going to say, I'm going to look it up while you're talking. Simply Wholesaling. 
wholesaling simply easy yeah. wholesaling i forget no. anyway all right so you had a deal recently that, that you bought and you thought it had a septic system or something is that right or yeah so this was um so last year since we were doing so many flips i was buying a lot of wholesale deals from wholesalers and we weren't doing the the level of marketing we didn't have all the avenues that we're, we're we were bringing in deals but this this one in particular it's a tough lesson. Uh, I don't know. So I didn't clarify in the beginning and tell you, I still haven't sold this deal, Joe. Oh. <laughs> so, so it's just one of those, you get so many in the pipeline and it's just that dead weight that you just leave and, and don't mess with. Uh, you know, we've already completed probably 90% of the rehab and it's just, I think I'm, well, so before I get ahead of myself, so September of last year, my wife and I got married about a week prior to that. I had a, a wholesaler call me with a deal. It was a three bedroom, two bath, two story, had a second story deck, a big, huge bottom deck. It, it was a good looking property. I think he was at 68 on it. I believe his contract price was around 45. So it was a pretty, pretty decent spread for him. And we had spent prior to purchasing this, we spent several, several minutes on the phone discussing the septic tank because I said, look, if there's an issue, I, I was trying to talk him down on his fee and just said, if there's an issue that comes up, I have to have some sort of margin to, to account for that, you know, contingency plan. So it ended up working out a little bit to where based on my purchase price, I had about $10,000 in there in case I had to, worst case scenario, I had to replace the septic tank. That's not worst case scenario. <laughs> worst case scenario is that this septic tank doesn't exist. Uh, the house was from 1962. And in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking there's regulations, codes and stuff at that point in time to where they wouldn't be allowed to just have a pipe that goes out the side of the hill. Uh, I want to say it was probably about 16 inches in diameter and it just kicked out the side of the hill. And that's where all the affluent, everything went out. So did it? Was it daylighted or is it just hidden underground it was hidden underground okay it was, it was hidden under so i did have somebody so to take up further i didn't purchase it at that time i went my wife and i went on our honeymoon to hawaii for two weeks and during that time i had such deal bias i was so ready to buy this house because the, the spread looked great i bought it they emailed me the uh the documents i printed them out had them notarized sent them back did the closing there and so i was just happy to come back to this great deal that i had bought <laughs> but that wasn't the case well, let's add, let's dive deeper into the septic systems because some people don't know what that is, right? Okay. Um, now, a septic system is a way you collect the waste from the toilets and sinks and all that, mm -hmm. and it's supposed to like spread spread it out or leach it out or something like that over right. underground somewhere in your property, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, most septic systems are a series of pipes that um, you know they just kind of spread it out and it just slowly does what it like seeps into the ground or yeah they've got like what's called drain so i at the time i it was my first septic tank purchase yeah and i've got a bad bad feeling about it. but they if they're inspected prior so i had had somebody go out there while i was on our honeymoon to inspect the septic tank well he called me back and said hey i can't find it i just thought i took that as him just being lazy i was like he didn't look hard enough it's got to be there somewhere and so i went ahead and closed on it and yeah i, I this is why it's a bad deal right and so 
but anyways, as far as the septic tanks, they've got so many alternative systems now. I mean, it, it's amazing to what these things can actually do, but they use the soil to filter, you know, the effluent and stuff that comes through there. So based on how many rooms you have in the in the property, you have it depends on the size of the septic tank. We'll come to find out we had the prior owner, the actual owner of this property had been trying to work with the health department for five, six years to get a system in. They had done the perk test, which is basically testing the soil to see if it's, you know, dense enough for this. To, to be filtered properly and come to find out it, it wasn't. So there was no alternative system, a mound system, any type of system that you could put in that would actually work. So you just had a $68,000 boulder, I guess. <laughs> well, let's explain this further because most houses in the city, they're tied into the sewer main, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. every city has this big huge pipe that's powered by gravity it just goes downhill from wherever to wherever right to to collect the waste from people's houses right right most people don't even worry about this but when you're kind of out in the suburbs or the country that's when you need a septic system Mm -hmm. Uh, we have a septic system at our house and the original house had one that kind of leached out into the field through a series of pipes. However, I don't know how it works, but um, eventually the HOA of all of the houses in our area pitched in a bunch of money. Everybody now has a grinder pump, which is a big tank that uh, the waste goes in there, grinds it up and pumps it through a series of pipes to a a big uh, pond. That, so that's you know, a gravity system as well? Well, there, the septic tank has a pump in there and it pumps it to a main line, right? right okay. And then it's gravity fed down to the lowest point in the HOA subdivision right. where it has this filtering treatment system there for like 50 or 70 homes. But anyway, so this is a big deal though, if it doesn't if it's not working, because that could mean waste, in, you know, in the yard, it could mean waste getting into the groundwater. And I'm, was this house on well water? Uh, no, it's actually hooked up to water. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. And, and all the neighbors. So it was kind of, it was an odd street. So it was an ugly street in a really high end area, but it was on the outskirts of town. So these properties that hadn't been redeveloped already or, you know, whatever, it just, uh, they all had septic tanks. So one of the things I did try is I tried to go to all the neighbors and petition them, everybody to throw up money so we could all get connected to the sewer line to try to lower some of my costs. It didn't work out. Nobody was into it. (laughs) Okay. So the system that you had in the house currently was, or back then, was a just one big just one pipe. Don't even know what type of material it was, but it ran probably 25 yards out the side of a hill. Because I, I wish I could have had a, I should have had a picture of the property, but it's it's up on a hill, so you've got about a 45 degree okay. slope on either side of it, and you've only got about you know a quarter of an acre worth of space, so it wasn't right. much to work with. Yeah. So you buy the house, and then. You had some good margin in there, and you even had a little contingency mm-hmm. for worst case. How did you come up with a ten thousand dollar contingency for worst case? That was just based on you know, my contractor, you know, and, and uh, several other investors I had spoke to, and said, "Hey, look, what's worst case scenario? How much can I get a septic tank installed if we've got to replace it?" So they said about ten grand. Mm-hmm. So then, how did you know you had a problem? How did you find that out? The neighbor, the neighbor. <laughs> so, so the neighbor. Uh, Actually, well, this is a small world. Uh, this is uh, so I consider myself a Christian, and I think this was God kind of helping me out because I had only spent about three thousand dollars at the uh, on the rehab at that point in time, and then I get a call that says, "Hey, I received one of your cards in the mail today, and realized that you are the owner of the property two houses down from me." So this guy was an investor himself, and he had saw that I had started working on it, and was like, "I need to tell him what's up." You know, I need. 
So anyways, he, yeah, he called me and he said, Hey, uh, I don't know if you're aware, but that property doesn't have a septic tank, you know? Uh-huh. And, and I'm like, I just thought he didn't know what he was talking about, but he was friends with the previous owner. And yeah, so, so that's, that's initially how I found out. By the way, just found it was, his name is Brett Snodgrass. His <laughs> podcast used to be called Wholesaling, Simple Wholesaling. Now it's called Real Estate Investing with a Purpose. I'm 99% sure he is in Indianapolis market. Um, you should check him out. Uh, you said you're a Christian. This guy, Brett, is a solid believer. Oh, nice. And he's got a great team with him. Oh, I see him. Okay. Yeah, we're. I'm looking on Facebook now. We're actually, we've got a ton of mutual friends. So Yeah, he, um, super good guy. I've had him on my podcast before. I've been on his podcast before. And I'm looking to see like if he has an address on our, I can't find his business address. But nice guy. Any of y'all want to listen to a real good uh, podcast and check out simplewholesaling.com and their podcast called Real Estate Investing with a Purpose. Just a shout out to Brett. He's a good friend. I, I almost said he's a good friend. Well, he's not that great of a friend because I forgot his name, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. anyway. Well, that's good. He's a good guy and he's got a lot of good deals too if you're looking for deals. All right. So the neighbor called and said, hey, did you know? And yeah, uh, cool. then what did you do? So at that point, you know, we stopped. We stopped work for a while. We kind of step back to reassess the situation. We talked to the health department. We got all the documents sent to us. And to be honest, I was very upset. I mean, I was mad. Did the seller fill out like a seller's disclosure statement? So, no. And this is uh, afterwards. I, I, I spoke I spoke to three different lawyers, you know, and today hindsight's 2020. Uh, today, I can say, you know, I'm not upset as I was because at the end of the day, it was my fault. I didn't do the due diligence to the extent that I should have. But since it was a wholesale deal, he was just assigning his equitable interest over to an as is contract. And so when I approached these attorneys, they said, there's not much you can do. And I and I even I asked, I said, you know, even if he uh, represented that there wasn't any significant issue, you know, there might be holes in drywall here, flooring up, whatever. But I mean, if you're telling me there's a septic tank on the property, then you're obviously fabricating that story. All right. But worst case, 10 grand, put a new septic system in, right? So yeah. Yeah. What was, why was this a bigger deal than that? Well, because it had been, so it had been tested for so long. I mean, they, they first test did the first test in 2015 and, uh, and that's where they dig down. And based on that, those soil samples, it was not appropriate for uh, any sort of septic system. So even, I mean, I think there were six or seven alternative systems, above ground systems, whatever we could do to make it work. And nothing was making sense. You're saying with the perk tests, which are tests that you do on soil, Mm-hmm. measure like how much it drains or not drain right, the density right. And, uh, and how right right so the test came back saying hey you can't even put a septic system in here that's, that's right right wow. so i went and talked to the county i talked to one of the guys on the board and actually through the neighbor the neighbor was so aware of the situation that he had already had all the contacts he knew everyone and he, and he was a tremendous help i love this guy's good dude did he uh, have a septic system he had a septic system so 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 at that point what option did we have the closest sewer tap was about 190 yards in a in a different neighborhood down 45 degree hills with trees rocks brush it was just a a, a bad situation to, to add to that point through other people's properties. So we were going to have to get easements. So, and that was the only solution we had. Right. So then what, what did you do? So, so the neighbor, since the guy had been working on this for so long, the previous owner had tried to get this easement from him for years and he wouldn't give it up. He wouldn't do it. So it got to the point to where we had to make a cash offer on the neighbor's house to buy it, to get the easement. <laughs> 
to get an easement for what to, to get the so to get the pipe the system to the sewer tap in the neighbor the neighborhood next to ours so does that make sense so you had to go through was it this neighbor that you said you've been talking to yeah yeah so he was an investor as well so of course he's looking for and so you know he he's kind of looking okay how can i benefit from it and it wasn't in a, a malicious way it was just like you know i know this guy needs help what can i do to try to make it work you know so you had to buy an easement somehow or negotiate an easement so, through so- the neighbor's yard to get the sewer main from your house to 190 yards away. Right. Almost two football fields. Exactly. To the sewer main. Yeah. Yeah. And that investor who owned that house didn't even, wasn't even connected to the main himself. He had his own septic. Yeah, his own septic. So as far as the no- negotiations, when we negotiated, I, I think I was going to pay 200 for his house and we got to the closing table. And before I signed the purchase agreement, I just looked at him and I looked down and I just, I, his name's Monty. I said, Monty, I said, I really don't want to buy your house, man. <laughs> so he's he's a, a humble older guy, you know, cool dude. He basically said, well, you know what? And he looked at his wife and he just said, hang on, let's, let's hold off for a minute. Let's talk about it tomorrow and figure out what we can do. And so 8 a.m. the next morning, he calls me and he says, you know what, Shane? He said, we're going to give you the easement. He said, you can have it. You don't have, he's like, I don't want to twist your arm to purchase our property. He said, but the only, the agreement has to be is you've got to hook us up too. And I said, fine, we'll do it. We'll do it. So, wow. so that was, yeah. So that was a blessing. I mean, that was, that was awesome. Well, um, good for him too. Cause it increases the value. He might be able to get, sell the house for more, right? Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And so they were going to, they were looking to move. So that's, that's part of why they, you know, we agreed to that and it added a significant amount of cost, but it wasn't anything compared to what, not, <laughs> not the added risk. Right. So you now had to connect his house to the main also. Yes. All right. So, What'd you do then? <laughs> See, I love the look on your face. That's how I felt for so long. I mean, <laughs> I feel so bad for you, man. Yeah. Well, and it's lesson learned. I mean, I just, you know, I, I can say uh, I, I was so green. I mean, as an entrepreneur, right? And so I want to, I want to point this out, make this point, because my brother's in a business class, and 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 one of the things he added to, or pointed out to me was that ninety six percent of businesses do not see their ten year anniversary. Mm-hmm. And so, as an entrepreneur, we all think we're the exception to the norm. We don't think we're ever going to lose. We're always going to win. We're going to bring in the most, most amount of revenue. And that's not the case. Stuff like this happens, it, you know, and, yeah. and you have to take it as is. So, you know, with, with the, the per, I did consider there, I was like, what if I just cut my losses at 68,000 and, and, you know, just spread it out over a couple of years. But anyway, so that's what ended up happening. All right. So let's go back to the house itself. Like what, what, what do you feel like the, the house is worth fixed up? What was the ARV? Mm, I think 175, 175 to 180. And you bought it for how much? I bought it for 68. Okay. So it sounds like a good deal. Right. If there was no septic system problem at all. Mm-hmm. How much work did the house need itself? Uh, I think my initial budget was right around 52-ish. Yeah, 52-ish. If I so remember. you would have been all in for about 135. Right, right. 140. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Sell it for 175. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So this was going to be, a, it's a full gut rehab, it sounds like. Yep. yep. All right. Which sometimes are the best rehab, right? Because those are sometimes even the easiest to estimate. Mm-hmm. Well, because you know everything is going to be new, and you're pulling out everything. There's not going to be any surprises, right? Um, except for the septic system. So you had maybe a thirty, forty thousand dollars spread potential profit on this deal. Mm-hmm. How much was this whole septic system thing main? going to cost you to fix? So I was told by, well, I called eight different companies and 
basically only got three to show up. And of those three, only one gave me an initial bid of like $44,000. And it was because he said, because of the bedrock that they would have to get through and and because he didn't think they could use a gravity system. So they would actually have to put those grinders in, which you were just talking about, oh. uh, which was going to add. I think they were we had to put three in and they were or no two in and they because of the neighbor and myself. And it was a uh, $10,000 each. So that was an added $20,000 to the. Yeah. And so fortunately, uh, I got a hold of the developer who developed the neighborhood next to us and called asked him about the land and the property. I had him come and look at it. And I said, are we going to hit bedrock if we go through here? Can we put a gravity system? And he said, absolutely. He's like, you can put a gravity system. So that brought our initial bid bid from the other company from 44 down to 30, yeah, 30,000. Okay. Have you finished the work yet? No, we've got about a shower to get done and countertop. And that's about it. So I'll actually be done with it here in the next few weeks because I just sent a couple of guys out there the following week. And so I appreciate you putting that post because I was like, I need to get this done. <laughs> well, this is so important, guys. I mean, and Shane, I appreciate you putting yourself out there. Uh, Shane Adams, but who is the Adams? Is that your middle so that, name? Okay, so and I love that. I just shouldn't have done this when I started the company, but it's yeah, just yeah. my first in name, a first and middle name switch. So my middle name Shane. I've always gone by Shane. Okay. Uh, some of the guys I work with know me as Adam. Just switch those Shane Adams. Yeah. But your last name is Garza? Yeah, it didn't. Uh, Shane Garza Real Estate doesn't doesn't roll <laughs> off the tongue <laughs> the same way. All right. All right. Cool. So it sounds to me like you'll be lucky on this deal to break even. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going ahead and putting like, based on interest borrowing rate, I'm probably going to be at like maybe ten to $12,000 loss. So 10 to 12,000 loss. All right. Well, let's, let's talk about lessons learned. Is that all right? Absolutely. If it's not too painful. All right. So let me, uh, let me open up my questions here. What, what would you have done differently if you, uh, go, if you could go back? Well, it's the due diligence. You know, you and I, I spoke about this prior to, to the podcast, but there's just such an extent now. So we have it set up in our system. At the time of the purchase of this property, I, I didn't have it set up, but our system is set up specifically so it asks every single one of these questions and we have to have an answer for it hmm. prior to any purchase. You know, another thing, sometimes I, I often just forgot when I'm analyzing a deal and go looking in a house to even check to see if it's in a floodplain because you get so focused, hyper-focused on the renovation, you know, dollar per square foot, where it's located, you know, all these different things. There's just so much, you know, that you, you kind of got to put into one space and, and make sure you buy the right deal. Would you mind sharing these questions, Shane, with us? Yeah, I don't have them. Is it like a, a spreadsheet or a PDF? Or? So it's actually, uh, I'll, hopefully this is a gold nugget for some people who are listening, but podio.com is a great, great yeah. tool. I'm sure several investors use it. We use that. It's actually tied to our calendar. So it syncs all of our follow-ups with it. And then mm-hmm. it also, additionally, if we walk into any property, we can fill out these questions for our calls that are made or or cold calling. It's tied directly to that. Let me see real quick. Well, maybe you could, after we finish this, could you send me just maybe screenshots? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Send me some screenshots or just a little Loom video or something of you kind of scrolling through the questions and I'll have my assistant write them out. Okay. Um, That'd be super cool because I can put that here in the mind map in the notes, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no problem. So some of the questions would be like what? Uh, Uh, So just... So more, so, well, it, it starts off like, uh, you know, mortgage balance, you know, what's the note yeah. remaining on the property, uh, floodplain, property condition, one through 10, what else, comps septic in the area, system. comps, what's that? There's a question about septic system in septic there. Septic system, septic or, yeah, and, and uh, 
it just so I stopped about a year ago doing inspections on all of my properties just because I've seen somebody now at this point. I kind of get it. But there are times I think that somebody should get in that crawl space because I, I, I'm not I won't do it. <laughs> but but you've got plenty of people who get in there, look at the joists. And that's that's going to be your I, I mean, those things are these significant costs. I mean, you've got your roof, your flooring, you know, your, I mean, your joists, your windows, you know, those type of things. So. So, yeah, I'll, I'll send you those questions and uh, hopefully, hopefully I'll put like them it. in the mind map here because that would be really cool. And I know people will get some value out of that. All right. So you would have you would have asked some more better questions next time. You would have done better due diligence. Now, does that mean just hiring a professional inspector? What does that mean? It, well, it just it, it's uh, to that end as far as questions go and then being accurate with your numbers. I mean, that's obviously a big deal. So, I mean, I'm sure most of you know it's you make your money when you buy. Right. You don't you don't make it on the back end. And so at this point in time, hey, I thought I was making the money when I bought, but I had deal buys from the beginning. I saw this. I was so ready to buy it. I thought the margin was there. And I was like, when this individual told me, hey, I can't find a septic tank. I should have listened to him. I shouldn't. You know, these guys do it for a living. I shouldn't have just brushed him off and said, oh, yeah, he was he was being lazy at the time. Interesting. What else? What else would you have done differently? I would have not bought the property. Okay. <laughs> no, I and, and I think closing on a deal out of town for me is not something I'll ever do again. And then, but when you get to a certain level, I will say this. So this is what, what we're going through right now is I have a problem delegating. I like to do stuff myself um, and it's hard to pass off these things, especially when they're such, they're so important. And so when you're doing, so, you know, an, enough deals, you've got to just trust these people that they're going to treat this opportunity the same way if it were their own money, you know, they're putting their own money at risk. And then it's just all about, I think one of the things I'm looking at closer now is, you know, what's our risk reward as far as how much money I'm putting out. I'm not going to spend $130, $130,000 to make $20,000. It's just not, it's not worth my time. If I'm spending four months on a rehab, you know, it, it's just not worth it. So, and I suspect this is why you've been doing more wholesaling lately, right? Because, well, well like it's, doesn't it just make more sense? When uh, you could during the six months it would take you to normally do a rehab mm-hmm. after putting all that money in, all of that risk, liability, the adult daycare of managing contractors, <laughs> dealing with it. inspectors, yeah. realtors, picky buyers, lenders, you know, and city inspectors, and all of that mess, you could have wholesaled three, four, five, six deals during that six months and made the same amount of money. If Absolutely. Not yeah. And I think a lot of the older investors, these buy and hold guys that are just old school, they look at it like I think our, have you ever heard of Mike Butler? Maybe. So Mike Butler, he wrote a book called Landlord Landlord on Autopilot. I'm sorry if I misquoted that. But he basically says that you're, you're um, oh, what's that? What's that movie? What's the dolphin movie back in the day? Flipper. So, so yeah. he he calls us dolphins because we're always just going out looking for the next deal. So he thinks it's just a constant hunt, which it is in reality. But if you, you know, if you get the right systems in place, you got the right people in place, it becomes way less of a hassle. You're not spending a ton of time just chasing the next deal. But I think the outsiders looking in, they think we're just busy running around looking at 15, 20 houses a day, uh, which isn't really the case. So, okay. All right. So what, what were some of the, um, the biggest takeaway lessons that you got from this? What was your biggest takeaway? Again, I mean, I just have to, to reiterate the the due diligence. I mean, it just, it's such an important thing when it comes to houses. Cause I'll tell you, uh, you know, 
two years, nine months ago, whenever I did my first property, I, you know, um, I'm okay with being outside of my comfort zone, but I was naive in a lot of ways. And uh, I'll tell you that, you know, one of the first things when I went to, uh, went to Home Depot with a contractor for the first time, you know, he's looking for, for window casing. And so I, I just wanted, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. So I walk over and look at the, and he's like, why are you over there? Why are you looking at baseboards? And I'm like, I'm like, Oh, okay, sorry. So it, it, so especially to start off, it's you're taking a lot of people at their word. And the reality is, is I say this as positively as possible, but not everyone has your your interest in mind. So just ask a lot of questions. Make sure you're, you're very comfortable with the decision you're making, especially when it involves a large amount of money. So, yeah, I would say even, too, if you're a new beginning investor who wants to rehab a house, I would suggest instead, if it's your first deal, especially partner with somebody local. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure Shane, if somebody brought you a deal said, Hey, I'm new, heard you on Joe's podcast. I think I got a deal here. Would you look at it? Maybe we can partner on it and split mm-hmm. it 50, 50. Right. I'll do all the work. You just help me coach me through this process. Would you that's say, a, would you say, yeah, that's absolutely hundred percent what I did in the beginning. So yeah. I just found these guys in local Remit, you build a lot of rapport with them. They trust you. They think, you know, that you start working together. And that those my my first deals were all 50-50 equity split. And my 50% equity was just sweat equity. So I was doing everything I could to make this work, managing yeah. the job and, and making sure that I kept this guy's money safe. And after we did three or four deals like that, we initially I started realizing in terms of how expensive equity is compared to interest. And so I uh, over the past two and a half years, uh, he's become one of my main private lenders. And uh, I think I we work it on maybe like a 9%, uh, no minimum term interest rate on borrowing. So oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. I think you nailed it right there. This is so important for newbies and beginners to understand, like network with the local experts in your area. They'll tell you if that street is a bad street or if it's on the wrong side of the neighborhood. Or um, I also recommend you find local hard money lenders. Mm-hmm. The hard money, if the hard money lender won't lend you money on that deal, it's probably not a good deal, right? If you can find these local investors, they're going to tell you who the good title companies are, who the good hard money lenders are, what areas to avoid. And and obviously, you can't just get this to them, get this from them for free. Mm -hmm. Bring them a good deal. Right. And uh, partner with them. You do all the work, split the profits with them 50-50. Yeah. That's what I found is hard money lenders. Yeah. They're, they are way more interested in the deal and experience. So if you bring someone with experience and you bring a great deal, nine times out of 10, they're not going to have a problem. A local hard money lender. Stay away from the yeah, yeah, absolutely good. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. Because I've looked at some of these national guys and their origination fees and all these added things they put in, it just gets really expensive. So yeah, yeah. Cool. What advice would you give, Shane, to a beginning investor? I know we've already kind of given a bunch of good things, and I'm going to summarize it here in a minute, but any other th- good pieces of advice you'd give to a beginning investor? I, I just would say um, if you've got you know, exactly what Joe just hit on is, is find the right people, get in the back seat, and go along for the ride till you, you feel comfortable to, to step out on your own. And then uh, initially, I think, uh, not, not specifically related to wholesaling, but put money into marketing. So if I start, if I had $5,000 right now and I was just starting out, I would find uh, some sort of marketing. I use, in particular, we use uh, call tools. So I don't know if anybody's familiar with that. It's great, great service. It's $120 a month or so. And you can just buy a seat and then you can buy lists. You can buy leads offline. So a great website is listsource.com. They've got a great way of putting parameters 
starters in to find specific leads that you want. And uh, you just throw them in there, start making calls and you might, you know, meet some unfriendly people. But at the end of the day, there's going to be people in situations that are ready to sell their house. Oh, that's so, good. Who do you skip trace your leads with? So we've got three different services. So I've got a local attorney we use on people who are really hard to find. We also use binverified.com. We use whitepages.com. And we kind of, if we can't find one somewhere, you know, we go here or if it's absolutely, you know, we can't find anything because there's some, some people you just don't, you can't, there's nothing no. out there on. And so we contact our attorney. Okay. Cool. Well, let me review kind of what we talked about here just to make sure I, I feel like these are some really good lessons learned. Number one <clears throat> in my notes here is make sure the seller fills out a seller's disclosure statement. Right? Yeah, yeah. Amen. Yeah. Because the seller, not the not the wholesaler, mm-hmm, right. the original owner, right. mm-hmm. uh, because if they would have filled that out and then not disclose that this wasn't a the right septic system or whatever, then you could maybe have something to go back to and say, hey, listen, you lied to me here. You need to fix this. Due diligence, obviously. Got to do due diligence. It starts with, I think, getting a professional inspection, right? Mm -hmm. But it also has to do with asking specific questions. And we're going to put those questions later on in the mind map here. But sometimes it's, you know, questions like what's the mortgage balances? Find out if it's in a floodplain or not. Septic system is is another one, right? Termites, radon, Gold. Those are just kind of questions you need to make sure are being asked. Is the mortgage current? Are the taxes current? Who's the actual owner on title? Make sure you're dealing with with them, right? Mm-hmm. You got to be accurate with your numbers. You got to know your numbers. You make your money when you buy. Yeah, absolutely. Make your money when you buy. And you had deal bias. You were just, what do you mean by that? I wanted to ask you about it. What do you mean by deal bias? Uh, I just, you know, I was so sold on a deal before I had asked every single one of those questions. I, I was just ready because it was just a, you know, and so uh, what we, what I do now or any of the guys who go look at properties is we've got a spreadsheet and this is what you do. This is what you put your numbers in and this is how you do your, you know, your, your renovation numbers. And then you look at your return, you know, you look at your borrowing rate, what are your carrying costs, everything associated with that. So you take your emotion out of it. You have to be objective because there's so many thought that it was just a cool house. I wanted to buy it. That'll get you in trouble. Oh, that's good. Take your emotion out of it. I love that. Don't close on a deal while you're out of town. Yeah, I think so. Because, you know, to each their own, if someone thinks they're comfortable with it and they've asked all those questions and then fine. But, you know, at this point in time, based on that experience of mine, I'm I'm just not interested. (laughs) Right. Okay. You need to learn how to delegate things. Or only delegate the most important things? Well, I don't know. because So don't delegate. Well, so my old boss at my old company is what he said to do is write everything everything you don't want to do on a whiteboard. And that's your job description for the next guy. So, uh. <laughs> so, but but there's there are aspects of any, you know, uh, start to finish, buy, purchase, you know, review, you know, and all that and selling it on at retail level. There's so many different moving parts that you just got to make sure you got the right people in the right place. And, I, and, and I'll go ahead because we just recently did this, Joe. We used uh, predictiveindex.com, which oh. basically takes an assessment of mm-hmm. these people and you put them in the right spot. So based on their skills and, and their talent, you know, you get the the right people for the right job. I have a real good friend who is one of the um, main coaches for Predictive Index. Oh, really? And yeah. Okay. So uh, would you say maybe some advice for somebody new is start off learning how to wholesale before you start rehabbing? I, you know, I, that's just tough because you, you it you have to be able to borrow money or you have to come with money. I, I think there's a, a lot of th- people out there that'll sell you the idea. You start with zero money and then you're going to walk into a flip and it's going to be amazing. I, in my experience, that hasn't been the case. Um, but wholesaling is a way to get your foot in the door. Good. But those relationships are so important because yeah. they're going to help you out. 
about you know wholesaling, flipping, buy and hold, whatever you're doing. If you're a beginner, find an experienced local investor, partner with them, bring them deals, right? I like what you said here. You said, find the right people and get in the back seat. You know, follow them and watch mm-hmm. what they do. Put money into marketing. Uh, call tools. You do a lot of cold calling. It sounds like call tools is a tool you use. It's a multi-dialer. I think it's like does it can it dial up to ten numbers at one time? Yeah, it's ten, yeah, ten numbers at one time. You get uh, your lists from list source. So you like to target probably. I'm going to guess high equity owners. I'm in certain specific zip codes. Absentee owners. Does it matter? Yes. Yeah, so I'll touch on that real quick. Is I think one of the uh, the things is 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 well for our local market, and I'm going to share this, and all my competitors are going listen they're going <laughs> to be on to me but it's just keeping it simple yeah you, you know stay with the absentee owners there's people in different situations different times and then follow up consistently because yeah. what i have found is these uh probate leads these pre-foreclosures these uh code violations it's become so saturated with people sending so many direct mail so many letters and based on what we've you know our response rates and our conversion rates you know we've seen the best deals come from those absentee owners which is just the simple yeah. you know where, where a lot of people start so oh yeah that's so important to follow up consistently cool Shane, I appreciate your time. I really do. This went longer than I expected, but this was really good. I appreciate you sharing your painful experience and hopefully you get out of it soon and keep me updated. Would you? I'd appreciate it. And I will do, Joe. How can people reach you, Shane? I see the phone number in the background there. Do you have a website or? Yeah. So it's uh, our website, shanethehousebuyer.com. If you want to submit any things, uh, if you want to bring me a wholesale deal in any of the markets that I mentioned, uh, we can try to JV that, you know, and if there's any value I can add, you know, to point you in the right direction, I'm fine with that. So give me your email one more time or the website. I'm going to write it down here in the banner. Uh, ShaneTheHouseBuyer.com. ShaneTheHouseBuyer.com, right? Let me, yes, sir. Is that it right there? ShaneTheHouseBuyer.com. All right. Go check out his website, guys. If you got some deals, uh, if you're a beginning investor in those areas that we talked about before, don't just call Shane and say, hey, can I take you out to lunch and pick your brain? Bring him some deals, right? Get out there, do some work, bring him some leads. Show some effort, show some work, and then I, he'll probably be interested in working with you as long as you're willing to put in the work first and and don't think about what's in it for you. Think about what's in it for Shane and what can you bring to him? How can you help Shane make more? This is a real lesson learned right here, a valuable lesson. Like come, And this is what Shane did, how he got started. If you're new and you're thinking, I want to find a Shane like him, I want to find a guy like him that I can partner with, don't think about what's in it for you. Think about how can I make Shane more money? How can I help him grow his business and and, and bring him more deals? And when you come to that kind of with it with that kind of an attitude, you're going to succeed and you're going to find success and, and you're both going to grow. Right. Um, yeah. cool. Just adding value. Right. Just add yeah. value to each other. And, and I agree with Joe, but I love that question. But I mean, at the end of the day, if you've got a question, you just want to call and ask, uh, you know, uh, my number, I think I don't know if you can see it all, but it is. I can, I can only see part of it. Can so it starts 812, which is an Indiana area code. So it's just 812-704-0005. Shoot me a text, call me, whatever I make myself available all the time. Um, you might regret this. Well, I thought so. <laughs> My wife regrets it, that's for sure. All right, all right. Shane, good talking to you, man. Thank you. I appreciate hey, it. Thanks, Jeff. Take care. We'll see you all later, guys. If you want the mind map and all the notes, and we're gonna Shane's going to send me his questions and stuff like that, get the mind map. You want to text the word BAD to 313131 or go to com slash BAD and you'll be sent to a link where you can get the mind map and the notes and all that stuff and and uh, get that. We got some good comments here too, by the way, but we got to go. All right, okay. we'll see you, Shane. Take care. See you guys, everybody. Bye-bye.